Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up Rockabilly track. Now activating Predator Camo. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're going to be reviewing Netflix's The Sandman and also the newest Predator film, Prey. Plus, we're talking Quake at the Lake from AEW. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. So up first we have the aftermath of the Warner Brothers Discovery Batgirl fiasco. So DC has remained the talk of the town this past week as details on what might be you know, sticking around and what isn't have continued to come out. After news of Batgirl getting tossed away, there has been a ton of uncertainty towards the future of Warner Bros. Discovery and their plans for the brand. From what has been reported, currently these are the films still in development. Black Adam's coming out October 21st, um, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is out December 21st, we have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom coming March 17th, 2023, Blue Beetle is still slated for August 18th, 2023, um, Joker Folly Adieu is out October 4th, 2023. Black Canary um, doesn't have an official release date yet. So yes, and all those projects, Blue Beetle, Green Lantern, Black Canary, were just reconfirmed you know, through various sources. Along, of course, with The Flash, which is supposed to come out June 23rd, 2023, though there have been recent talks on scrapping this film, even though it doesn't seem like they really want to do this, the actions of Ezra Miller may just force their hand after he recently got arrested for burglary. So yeah, The Hollywood Reporter put out a story um, saying that there are three options, I guess, that Warner Brothers Discovery are, are kind of exploring at this point. You know, uh, you know, one, of course, is the nuclear option, which you just talked about. Uh, but the other options would see the actor trying to secure some kind of counseling, uh, you know, and give an interview in the future explaining their erratic behavior. Uh, after a period, then Miller could do some small press for The Flash before it opens in theaters. The other scenario would be that Warner Brothers Discovery Discovery would still choose to release the film, but Ezra would do no press whatsoever for The Flash and would no longer be The Flash going forward in the future. I feel like a combination of all these plans should probably happen. Like there should be an apology. Uh, maybe don't put them on the press if they're if they are going to do a release and, and, and perhaps they shouldn't continue playing The Flash going forward. Um, so I agree 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, and here's the thing, like if they're not willing to get help, they're not going to get help. You know, it's not mm-hmm. going to be like genuine. So I don't know. I don't envy, you know, the position that Warner Brothers Discovery is in. But at this point, it just feels like Ezra's on a downward spiral and mm-hmm. they have to take action. I just have no idea what that action could possibly be, you know, unless they want to just, you know, dump a bunch more money in it do tons of reshoots and replace them completely. That's probably the safest bet, but it's the most expensive one also. Uh Uh-huh. But 
it seems like they've put so much behind like this is the film that reestablishes our universe or restarts everything for us and I, if this is so important to them either they gotta scrap it or they gotta redo it in some form or fashion i mean it's not unheard of like tons of films mm-hmm. have shot around a role that had to be recast um i don't know if there's another avenue that they could take the story where they can re-edit it where you know ezra's not the focus i just don't see how that's possible though <laughs> knowing mm-hmm. the premise of the movie so it just feels like they probably need to just go ahead and take all that Batgirl money they just saved and, you know, dump it into reshoots for The Flash. But, I mean, we'll have to just wait and see. On the TV side of things, it seems like DC still has a bunch of shows still in development, like Peacemaker, Harley Quinn, Green Lantern, Titans, Pennyworth, The Origins of the Batman's Butler, which is a long-ass title for no reason, um, Doom Patrol, and the series spinning off from the Batman, The Penguin. Though, there have also been reports that the uh, Strange Adventures anthology has been canceled as well. Here's the thing, though. Like, all these reports are coming from various sources, but none of them are coming directly from you know, DC from Warner Brothers True, Discovery. Yeah. So it's kind of like they're in production until they're not. I feel like at this point, and this is their own doing, like I'm not going to trust anything is, you know, on their way, you know, out or like, you know, staying on schedule until they, you know, come out and give us their so-called, you know, quote unquote, 10 year plan. Um, you know, we just heard, you know, as we started to record, actually, that the Batman sequel has not been greenlit yet. Um, Matt Reeves is still working on it regardless because he's like fuck them I'm just I'm gonna make this movie I don't give a shit (laughs) maybe it's just me who sees it but uh, apparently that has not been greenlit yet Uh, also there was a story out there that it looks like they are definitely shopping around for a head of DC you know like in a Kevin Foggy type role Uh, Mm -hmm. and one of the people that they're looking at is possibly uh, Greg Berlanti uh, you know of Berlanti verse fame uh, you know, he obviously did, you know, you know, the Arrow uh, show and Flash and all the, you know, CW shows for that matter. Personally, not a huge fan of those shows, but he's a hardcore fan of DC and who knows what he could possibly do with a big budget behind. It. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, I, I, those worked for TV. You know, it definitely got kind a lot of, of people interested. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm just not a big fan of the, you know, of the, uh-huh. of the series, but it, well, I'm right there with you. I was, I was into Arrow when it first came out, yeah. even though it was very campy and stuff like that. I, but as soon as it started becoming this big universe, I, I, I lost interest so quickly. And, um, but people were still super into yes. it, so maybe that can work with a bigger budget. Yeah, I mean, he had a huge following. Those shows mm-hmm. had a huge following. I mean, Flash is on, like, season nine. It's just recently coming to an end, right? Yeah. And what's funny about it was there was a story out there this past week that on the film end of things, DC was actually headed towards a Crisis on Infinite Earths event. So, I mean, that's something that Berlanti actually tackled on the shows, just mm-hmm. what like a year or two ago so i mean he's a huge fan so and he's obviously passionate about this shit so i, I like that aspect but i i don't know we'll see you know what avenue they choose to go down um but part of me also wants to see like fresh blood in charge over there so another story that just broke is apparently warner brothers discovery still wants leslie grace to play batgirl when and where we have no idea uh, just not in the movie that she previously shot. 
So uh, we'll see what comes of that. Because if you're Leslie Grace, <laughs> do you want anything to do with Warner Brothers Discovery at this point? And at the same time, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was just Warner Brothers Discovery trying to cover their own ass. Yes. You know, be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're totally going to put her in another you know, film. Like we kind of speculated on last week, they've definitely taken a huge PR hit. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, moving on. Well, not really, because it's more DC news. It seems like Warner Brothers Discovery is leaning towards Henry Cavill returning as Superman. As far as the future of Superman goes with DC, there was recently rumors coming from a conversation between Eric Davis of Fandango and Umberto Gonzalez of The Wrap. The two of them spoke on Warner Bros. Discovery's desire to bring back Cavill in some shape or form, whether it be a kind of like multiversal variant while they bring in a new Superman or just him returning to the role. Though they also claimed Cavill isn't interested in returning, even though in just last year, Cavill did stay he is ready and willing, you know, whenever to be Superman. I'm sure if the price check is right, Cavill will return no problem. I just think it's about if they're going to actually do a, you know, full reboot or a soft reboot. And it seems like they're leaning towards that soft reboot. And if that's the case, there's no real reason to replace Cavill as Superman. Just return him in the same fashion that, you know, like Daredevil's returning. You know, you skip the origin. You just do that kind of, you know, here's the character. Yeah, and it feels like Cavill's too old at this point to do a, a full on origin story. I mean, he kind of felt yeah. a little old, honestly, in Man of Steel. So, uh, but anyway, I, I'm fine with him coming back, honestly. Like I had no issues with his performance whatsoever. I just wasn't the mm. biggest fan of those, you know, films. But I feel like with the right story, he'll be great in the role. In that same conversation Umberto and Eric had about Henry Cavill, they also brought up Gal Gadot's uh, future as Wonder Woman, as they mentioned she will be in a couple projects outside of what we know about, as we do know she has a cameo in Shazam! Fury of the Gods. What these additional projects are, are still, you know, being kept secret at this time. So while I loved the first Wonder Woman film, maybe it's a good idea that she does, you know, return in these like small cameo roles. Uh, to kind of like wash the taste out of everyone's mouth after, you know, Wonder Woman 84. Because, God, that that's just an awful film. Like, I caught a, a piece of it on TV recently. I was like, what? What were they thinking? Well, I mean, Patty Jenkins is still set to do Wonder Woman 3. So, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, here's to hoping she returns to form, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, every director has a misfire or two. You know, it's just more of a case of whether or not she learns from it. <laughs> I mean, you remember how much time they had to do all that CGI work and what just what happened? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know, man. It... <laughs> so up next in our last DC story, uh, we've had some Joker 2 casting news. Collider recently reported that Zazie Beetz, star of Atlanta and Deadpool 2, is in talks to reprise her role as Sophie Dumond in Joker 2. Though we've seen rumors lately that, you know, the film will primarily focus on Arthur Fleck's time in Arkham, so I wonder if it's more of a, like, short cameo appearance or moment in the film altogether. Probably a hallucination, if we're being honest here. Also, they kind of allude to Arthur possibly killing her, right, in, in the first film? I believe so. I'm going to have to rewatch it, but I yeah, thought we, she was dead by the end like of she, that. He visits her and confronts her in her apartment, right? Yeah. And that's when he realizes that he's just been hallucinating their entire relationship. But then I felt like that 
that's kind of what they're going for, but who the mm-hmm. fuck knows? I mean, that could have been a hallucination also, I guess. But I mean, she's a great actress. I, I would actually love to see uh, Marvel bring her back as Domina. Well, lastly, we've got some horror news. It sounds like The Strangers have three new sequels in the works. Well, Bloody Disgusting hit us with reports that there are three sequels to The Strangers incoming with Nightmare on Elm Street 4 director Rennie Harlan down to direct at least one of the films. So this information actually came from an interview with Roy Lee, a big time producer. I believe he produced the original Strangers film. Uh, This interview was done by the Boo Crew podcast. Um, In the interview, he just nonchalantly mentioned that there are three, three sequels for The Strangers (laughs) that are going to actually start production next month, I think he said. Um, Share any other details. We have no idea if these sequels are being filmed back to back. Um, But it feels like if they have three sequels planned that it's some sort of trilogy and it's just to be speculating. So maybe they would, you know, film them back to back since, you know, the strangers would be a smaller budget type deal. Um, at least I hope, um, the sequel to the strangers prey night was fucking awful. <laughs> so I hope that, you know, they are able to write the course because the original strangers film is one of my favorite horror films of the last like 20 years. So I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Um, I just don't know where they're going to take the story, uh, especially if it is like a trilogy. I mean, maybe they have like an ongoing protagonist that the strangers are going up against. Uh, in the last film, The Prey Night, they actually, I believe they killed off all three uh, strangers. So maybe they're just going to act like that didn't happen, which I'm totally fine with. Trust Probably me. Probably going to skip that, right? They they would have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But hear me out, Damon. Strangers in space. No, thank you. No? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, like, I didn't mind Pinhead, you know, when he went to space, or Jason for that matter, but the strangers definitely don't work in space. (laughs) Jason X was a good time, though. Yeah, that was a fun movie. (laughs) Speaking of Jason and Friday the 13th, uh, Roy Lee also dropped a little tease that we might be hearing some good news coming out of the Friday the 13th camp. We know that the Friday the 13th franchise has been tied up in legal battles for, God, forever at this point. I mean, it's been 13 years, I believe, since the remake. I mean, it's a crime that we haven't had a Friday the 13th film in that long. Um... But I, I feel like we hear this like every other year at yes. this point. <laughs> Remember like LeBron James, like his production company supposedly had the rights or something like that. So, I mean, knock on wood, hopefully this is this shit show is finally over with and we finally get another Jason movie in the theater soon. But at this point, I'm just going to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to cheer for anything until I see like, you know, some set photos or a trailer. Right. right. <laughs> All right, Christian, you binged a series over the past week. That's right. I watched Netflix's The Sandman. Warning, spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for The Sandman season one ahead. You have been warned. My creations do not walk amongst the living, killing mortals for pleasure. Oh, you don't think dreams can die? Let's find out. do not belong in the waking world. Oh, it turns out I fit right in. 
Being a fan of Neil Gaiman's Sandman back in high school, I was excited for the idea of a series being made, though I did brace myself as Netflix can be hit or miss lately, and I expected them to take some liberties with the tale. However, beyond a few small changes and time periods being altered, this show goes far beyond expectations to stay faithful to its source material, and with a $15 million budget per episode, it's clear Netflix went all in on this dream. This show captures the structure of the books, and I was fortunate to watch this series with someone who you know, knew nothing about them. And I bring this up because the show's pacing and story tries to emulate you know, the passing of time for someone who's immortal, which may be jarring for someone coming in fresh without any expectations for this show. Each episode dipped into these kind of self-contained stories, especially after the first episode established everything. And you know, the usual characters that would you know get these like major arcs in other shows came and went just like they would in the life of someone like you know the Sandman who is endless. But that being said, each story still felt like it got you know the time to explore and go as far as it needed. Nothing felt you know too short in this show, and each one had these memorable moments that you know really sucked you in each time. So while it's a little different than what we get with the average show, the average narrative, I think the way that this show told its story was still engaging enough to bring new people in with this adaptation, as that's at least what I saw firsthand with the person I watched it with who's got just as short of an attention span as I do. Cast-wise, it felt like every performance was on point. Tom Sturgis's dream really gave you, you know, this feeling of an endless being as we watched him learn more and more of humanity and dealt with his enemies. Their performance was chock full of just subtle emotions and moments to elevate the character. But I do think it was, you know, Boyd Holbrook who really stole the show as the Corinthian. The suave nature of this character came right off the page with Holbrook's performance. But even with that said, I think it's funny that the strongest story and moment of the show definitely came from the John D story as played by uh, David Thewlis, which I think is how you say his last name. I remember him most from Harry Potter. But anyway, the performances are matched with excellent cinematography and high-grade effects that really immerse you into this world. While I do respect the way the story was told and wouldn't want them to fuck with it at all, I am still wondering what it would have been like if there was a way to kind of pepper in just a little bit more connective tissue and you know introduce us to characters earlier on to let these stories build and breathe more. Especially when it came to the story about the vortex that nears the end of the show. I think, you know, I I definitely think there could have been more for the Rose Walker character in the entire show. Not that it doesn't, you know, still have its connections. I just think the show wanted me to care more than I did about this character. Either way, the series ends in a place where it feels like, you know, it's only just the beginning. And I'm really looking forward to more Sandman. So I'm going to give it an A minus. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're gonna be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow 
for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high and tight. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a Bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin-safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patented high performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. All right, Damon, you saw a movie this past week that's right i saw the newest predator film prey warning spoiler alert major spoilers for prey ahead you have been warned there's something out there i'm coming with you you can't i'm trying to protect you protect me from what it's time The origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. This was directed by Dan Trechenberg and stars Amber Mid-Thunder. So Prey is proof that all good things come to those who wait. And wait, and wait, and wait some more, because, I mean, it's been 35 long years since the original Predator film came out, and we're just now getting the sequel we deserve. And listen, don't get me wrong, like some of those movies were okay, but they just don't hold a candle to what director Dan Trachtenberg delivered with Prey. And I believe it's because he wasn't scared to strip the franchise down to its core premise. I mean, instead of going bigger and bolder like most sequels do, he took things back really beyond the basics and gave us a story of perseverance and survival. Set 300 years ago in the past, the movie follows Nauru, a member of the Comanche Nation. She's a highly skilled hunter and yearns to prove herself as a warrior worthy of standing alongside her brother. Not taken seriously though and dejected, she finds herself on the ultimate proving grounds, protecting her people against a vicious predator from another world and a showdown for the ages. So first things first, while convenience-wise, I love the fact that nowadays sometimes we have the option of streaming these films when they come out instead of having to go to the theaters. 
But man, this film really deserved a theatrical release because the cinematography is just breathtaking. I mean, you feel like you're in the wilderness with Maru, and it really just adds so much to the experience, so I'm hoping that at some point this movie gets a theatrical run. So Naru, played by Amber Midthunder, in just a great performance, is the kind of character that is really easy to connect to. Her story is simple but relatable, which makes her determination even more admirable. Uh, we get to see her fail, but then rise to the occasion when the stakes are at the highest. Uh, she is no Arnold Schwarzenegger clone by any means, and she's literally just armed with an axe on a rope. <laughs> so as a protagonist, she's probably the biggest underdog we've seen in this franchise so you can't help but cheer for her making like it even more exhilarating when she does eventually prevail spoilers prey is just filled with so many white knuckling well-crafted action scenes that are never dull or predictable the predator is more frightening than ever before and trachtenberg gives us some of the most memorable kills of the franchise I mean, the Ash Forest scene is one of the all-time great sequences in any of the Predator films, and really only belongs on a pedestal with moments from the original. And that really sums it up. You could say that about the entire film. It just feels like a touchstone moment for the series. An instant classic, which is hard to come by. I would love to see them do similar films with a minimalist approach for the sequels. Like, keep it simple, stupid, right? Uh, there's just a lot of greatness to be built on here. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and give Prey an A. Uh, check it out for yourselves. It's now streaming on Hulu. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This past week in gaming, we had the THQ Nordic Digital Showcase. At the showcase, there were several announcements, but the one that I was kind of waiting for and was hoping for, really, was more news on the AEW Fight Forever game. Unfortunately, what was showcased was only what we have already seen in that leaked video that came out last week in which we reported on on the actual show. And I mean, not to say that that isn't enough for them to show off. It just was a little bit disappointing that there wasn't actually like, you know, them playing through the game or anything like that for them to show off here today. After the video they played, they did announce that you will be able to play it at Gamescom and pre-orders are available right now. But there is still no official release date for the game, just a bunch of placeholders right now. Some saying it's in February, some saying it's in December. It's all over the place. I'm assuming it's going to be somewhere closer to February. That makes more sense to where things are right now, especially you know, now that we're in the later part of August, that they haven't given us an actual date for this fall. The rest of the showcase had just a bit of everything on display here, but mostly RTS games were really at the center of it all. But the game that really caught my eye was Alone in the Dark, a new take on the survival horror franchise with a new original story coming from Mikael um, Hedberg who previously worked on Amnesia Dark Descent and Soma which it's clear from the trailer and how it's being described that the game is you know to take us back to a more gothic style of horror you know this is set in the 1920s and you'll either play as Emily Hartwood or private investigator Edward Carnaby um, who are both described as searching for Hartwood's missing uncle in a home for the mentally fatigued, uh, qu quotation marks there. The description does go on to talk about how this game has got a heavy focus on psychological horror, which does not surprise me from you know this writer being attached to this game. 
So I will definitely be keeping my eye out on this project and we'll report on whatever comes out about it. You know, it's been a while since we've played any like horror games on stream. Uh, I think the last one was Alien Isolation, which we will be getting back to, into uh, this October. We'll try and finish it. But until then, we have plenty of other games going on on the stream side of things. Um, right now we're starting um, Lollipop Chainsaw. Plus we've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. And of course we have our WWE 2K22 universe that we go through every single Thursday and Friday that I think you should check out. So definitely check us out, give us a follow, and join us every Wednesday through Sunday. This week's episode is also sponsored by Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I realized gamer foods like energy drinks and chips weren't all that nutritional. I hated taking vitamins as well and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. And luckily with AG1, I've found a tropical flavored blend that I drink every single morning. Well, Christian, that's because with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus, and aging. You know, all of the things. I even have my family hooked on it, Christian, and they love it. We're even making sure to take it with us on vacation this summer. Your subscription comes with a year supply of vitamin D, which is important for a recluse streamer like me that admittedly doesn't get enough sunlight. And let me tell you, I've never slept better, and that's because AG1 supports better sleep quality along with mental clarity and alertness. And you also have to love the price. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and that's cheaper than buying all the supplements yourself. And we're not alone in loving athletics greens because currently they have over 7,000 five-star reviews. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit Athletic athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Moxley showing no respect for CM Punk, the AEW world champion. And you know, at some point, Moxley and Punk must collide oh. to unify the AEW World Championship. Oh, I know Punk a long time. He's not going to forget what just happened with that flip off and that little shoulder block there by Mox. Damon, there was a quake at the lake this week on AEW. There uh, sure was. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Uh, exactly. They barely knew. They had a couple graphics here and there, and that was about it. <laughs> you know, you don't need to name every show AEW. Like, no. I get it. You you wanted to make it feel special, but I feel mm. like the matches alone should do the job. Especially, like, if you're not going to bother, like, giving us, like, a new set design or something like that. Exactly. You know, give us some gimmicks, you know, by the entrance or something. 
you know, to kind of like, you know, push that, you know, special feel. I mean, at least the show started off with a banger with a coffin match between Darby Allen and Brody King. Oh, no. I mean, this whole show was fantastic. Don't get uh-huh. me wrong. <laughs> I just don't like the stupid name. Uh, yeah, though, no, this was one hell of a match. I'm just falling more and more in love with Brody King, honestly. Uh, but yeah, like it like did not like bother waiting like they like kick things off in style with you know darby attacking him on the ramp out of nowhere um then you know getting him in the ring grinding his face with his thumbtack skateboard uh-huh. um you know busting him open like wide open in a fashion that we don't even see on AEW much where he literally was having to like wipe the blood away from his eyes constantly throughout the duration of the match. I mean, just fantastic, you know, stuff. Um, I love, you know, the dynamic these two have when they wrestle against each other. Um, I thought they told a great story here. Um, I didn't even mind all the fucking Gaga that happened in the middle of the match. Um, I love Sting being in the coffin, as cheesy as it was. Um, you know, it was good to see Buddy Murphy back. Uh, I, you know, I guess he was in Australia. I heard, you know, through the grapevine I, I, that he, those dates weren't approved. So I guess, like, there hmm. was some tension there between AEW and Buddy Murphy for a little bit. Um, which, you know, you didn't hear anything about, you know, until just, like, recently. So... Um, but apparently all's good, you know, because <laughs> he was on the show last night. Uh, but yeah, no, um, both Brody and Darby, you know, took just extreme risks throughout the entire match. Um, you know, like I said, the Gaga didn't bother me at all. Um, it seems like we're definitely headed towards some sort of like Sting versus, you know, uh, Malachi Black match. Um, I loved everything they even did with like the baseball bat and everything with Sting, like offering the bat uh-huh. and like, you know, Mal- Malachi Black, you know, dismissing the bat and Sting. Um, you know, it, th- that showdown's going to be pretty fucking epic when it does happen. I'm guessing it's probably going to be in like some kind of multi man tag. Um, I'm just wondering, though, if they're going to bother doing it at the pay-per-view since we already have, like, trios matches taking place um, on the show. And that's going to be, like, when the uh, tournament, right? The finals of the tournament. Yeah, comes to a close, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, do you have another trios match baked in there, too? Does that take away from the tournament? I don't know. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like Sting's going to have a one-on-one match. And I don't think he's ever had a one-on-one match with anyone maybe i mean maybe malachi's the first guy that he goes up against but yes but i feel like you gotta answer you know for miro as well because he's been a part of this program kind of yeah. adjacently the entire time yeah yeah like he's looming in the background and that mm. we did have a vignette with him later on uh where he kind of rejects julia hart and mm-hmm. you know says he's accepting the gift from malachi black but he's going to use it now as a weapon against him so, I mean, Miro's definitely getting involved. I just don't know how. I mean, most likely in some kind of like six man tag situation with him teaming with Darby and Sting. Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen at the pay per view. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, no, b- back to the match. I mean, the ending was amazing. The fact, you know, that we had closure with Darby now uh-huh. hanging, you know, Brody um, from the apron with his own chain. And then the way he like <laughs> fell into the coffin, like visually, it couldn't have been more perfect. Like it was seamless. 
you know? <laughs> so I, I just thought this was a great match and a hell of a way to start off Dynamite. I mean, as far as like those prop moments go for AEW, this has to be the smoothest they've ever done. Yes. With, like him landing in that coffin that way. That was so impressive. <laughs> AEW does not handle props well no. at all. You know, that's really like the biggest heel of the company is like AEW's prop department. There was actually a couple moments on this show where once again, like something went awry with, you know, their props. So I don't know. But yeah, no, this worked out perfectly. I wouldn't mind. And this is just fancy booking, but I wouldn't mind if Sting turned heel because of Malachi. I think it'd be interesting to have him turn heel. And that's how they bring an end to Sting and Darby. You know, they they go at it finally. And that's his singles match would be Darby. I don't need to see Joker Sting ever again. Oh, well, no. <laughs> Not that. Please. <laughs> uh, they played with it with the makeup. I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, you obviously noticed him having the, you know, Malachi Black, yeah. you know, painted side of his face. But I think that's the most you're going to really get from that, you know, angle. Um, you know, because I at first I could see them going that route. But, I, you know, Sting is getting close to, you know, retirement age at this point. I don't see him, you know, going on any kind of heel run, you know, anytime soon. So um, he's only got so many matches left in him, right? Um, so I think he's going to go out as a baby face. Um, but yeah, no, I could see maybe Darby eventually turning on Sting. And, you know, that's where we go. And we have, you know, a retirement match. And the last program he works is against Darby. I could see that happening. Um, but have a little emo version of HBK and Ric Flair. Yeah, maybe <laughs> a hot topic version, if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. But anyway, I, I'm hoping for big things for Brody. Honestly, oh, yes. like he was really put on the map as a monster during this program. And hopefully there's more to come. Just, oh God, the visuals of him with that white makeup on, you know, dripping blood and shit. I mean, the dude was fierce. Like, it was pretty impressive. Uh, up next, we had John Moxley hyping up his match with the, the last of the Heart Dungeon, Chris Jericho. Uh, I thought this was a great promo, as always, from Moxley. And I'm, I really appreciated that they did this, you know, hyping up the main event, because mm-hmm. we also got a promo from Jericho later on. So I want more of this from AEW, you know, really hyping up their main events like throughout the show. Um, you know, because ha- there's been plenty of times where I forget what the main event is like uh-huh. once the main event comes around because they haven't even talked about the damn thing. So I- I've been seeing more of this lately from AEW, so I just hope it continues. Well, it, the funny thing is, it wasn't later on in the show that we heard from Jericho. It was literally after the fucking commercial break. So I was a little surprised that Jericho was immediately responding. They didn't save it for, like, the start of the second hour or something to, you know, keep people, you know, thinking about that main event. But Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, it, it might have been better to place it, you know, the beginning of the second hour. But I, I feel like they usually like to start off the second hour with, like, you know, some kind of banger just to, you know, keep the ratings up. Hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's a step in the right direction. With that said, we have the AEW World Trios Championship Tournament officially announced. Um, the matches so far set up is Death Triangle versus Will Ospreay and the Aussie Open. We have Andrade El Idolo with Dragon Lee and with Roosh versus the Young Bucks and a to-be-announced partner of theirs. We have House of Black versus Dark Order. And we have the Trustbusters versus the Best Friends. So for me, this 
this bracket's a little hit and miss. Um, like they have some definite awesome matchups happening. Uh, you know, like Death Triangle versus Will Ospreay and the Aussie Open. I didn't see that coming, and I feel like they didn't play that up enough. That it's no. a big deal that Will Ospreay is back on the show. <laughs> Do they even mention it when they first announced it? No, and I'm wondering if it's actually going to happen on AEW. Like, I'm wondering if this is going to be at a different promotion or a different show. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I I, I mean, the tournament starts next week, right? Do mm-hmm. they announce what matches are kicking it off? Uh, next week will be the Andrade and uh, Dragon Lee uh, Roos versus the Young Bucks. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, right? Because, I mean, some of these matches are going to have to take place during Rampage at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be a shame not to have that on your TV, though. Like, you definitely want, you know, Will Ospreay on your TV if you can get him on your TV. I can't imagine them doing a pre-recorded type deal. Um, but who knows? Maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, back to the brackets, like the trust busters. Like, I don't I had to look that up. Yeah. You know, apparently <laughs> that's Parker. But uh, what's his name from NXT along with Davari? Um, they're doing some kind of like entourage like gimmick um whatever it just i mean for me like i they could be great for all i know it just it feels like there's so many other trios that could be in this tournament um i would have liked to see this tournament like start earlier but maybe Mm -hmm. they just weren't sure injury wise with kenny omega whether or not you know when they were going to be starting the tournament i'm not sure um but it it just feels like this should have started like last week honestly and like you know make it bigger you have so many trios in your you know company why not like make this a huge event um you know spread out over you know multiple weeks i mean they did that with the owen cup so i don't know why they're not doing it with like the trios title and it honestly like if they have enough teams like i said Mm -hmm. um to pull that off so we listed so many last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm surprised by it. I know there's a lot of injuries and everything, so that might be one of the reasons, but I don't know. I, I was a little I was a little disappointed overall when I saw the bracket. So um I think part of it too, it, it feels a little predictable, right? Like it feels like it's gonna be the elite. We saw later on in the episode that, you know, Hangman turned down, you know, the proposal from the young bucks. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's gonna stick with the dark order and be in their corner, but it sounds like it's gonna be like, you know, just, you know, on the outside. He's not actually wrestling, which I feel like they're probably gonna do an injury angle of some sort, but you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh but uh, you know, I feel like it's gonna be the young bucks and I feel like it's gonna be dark order, you know. Um, just because story-wise it makes sense you're gonna have you know since hangman's involved with the dark order it just it feels like you're gonna have a reunited elite you know featuring kenny and the bucks Mm -hmm. going up against hangman's team and what i was alluding to is i could see hangman actually wrestling for the dark order you know like maybe someone gets injured so hangman has to like take their spot and drama ensues. And I even bet it's going to be House of Black to do the injuring because that's going to be their first matchup for the Dark Order. And I do think it's disappointing that, like, you know, Brody King and them have been looking so strong in their singles matches. And it's possible that that will be their first loss. But it could it be Miro? I'm guessing Miro probably comes out and interferes, costs them, you know, well, the yeah. match. Mm-hmm. And then you have House of Black, you know, move on to Sting and Miro or whatever they're going to be doing. Because they're going to be featured on the show regardless. But, I mean, yeah. I agree with you. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, Blackpool Combat Club. 
aren't part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho's Appreciation Society is not part of this, right? Like, it just seems so bizarre to me. <laughs> There's so many other, you know, possible trios out there that could have been part of this tournament. It almost feels like Tony's just scared to, you know, have, you know, people lose sometimes, right? Mm. You know, like, he doesn't want these big name teams, you know, getting, you know, a loss on the record. Which, I don't know, it's just backwards thinking, especially for a promotion where wins and losses matter so much, um, but they try to treat it like an actual sport. I mean, I feel like, you know, a couple of these teams could eat a loss and be okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sure, you know, once like uh, Undisputed Era, I'm sure at some point we're going to see these other teams getting involved, you know, for the trios belts uh, down the line. It just... I feel like it would have made those belts feel like a bigger thing to see like your bigger teams involved in this tournament. If the Young Bucks and you know Kenny were to win and have the like trios titles and then possibly take out FTR and get all the belts, that would be a cool visual, especially going up against the Undisputed Era later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's in the cards for FTR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for all outs, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Up next, Andrade El Elo plus Roosh were in action against the Lucha Bros in a tornado tag match. My God, like every one of Lucha Brothers like matches should be a tornado tag match. I feel like they just operate so much better. Oh, yeah. You know, every time <laughs> in a match like this, you know, or at least do like Lucha rules or something like that, which is very similar to a tornado tag match. At least I feel like. Uh, but yeah, no, this was a hell of a match like it was just non-stop you know spot after spot after spot it didn't even bother me that penta's mask once again was like involved in the you know finish and i love that they're really establishing andrade and roosh as a force in aaw yeah i love getting to see them like work together i was i was a big fan of the crowd chanting for them to throw the mat the bonus masks or backup mask that they have for penta back into the ring after um andrade threw it out yeah fuck that shit <laughs> if i was that fan i would definitely hold on to that mask <laughs> screw you <laughs> It's not like it would have changed the outcome no, anyway. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad the fan didn't fucking cave to pressure. Uh-huh. Uh, up next, we have a moment that we mentioned before with the Young Bucks uh, talking with Dark... Uh, talking with Hangman in the back. Uh, meanwhile, you know, praising him, saying, you know, we, we miss you in this type of situation and asking him to join the team. And, of course, he lets them down by saying no and saying that he's going to be in the Dark Order's corner. I mean, the rationality behind his explanation made sense but I, this whole thing was a little too dawson's creek for me uh, <laughs> i like i feel also if you haven't been watching like bte this feels like kind of out of nowhere um so that i don't know it, it even felt a little flat for me especially after you know the big angle they shot last week with him coming out and making the save but I get it. Like, I, I can kind of see where they're going story-wise. So I'm sure we're eventually going to get to that reunion. I think they're just waiting for Kenny to be in the fold. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I feel like the big match, you know, for All Out is, like I said, is going to be, you know, the Dark Order versus uh, the Elite in the finale of the Trios to, uh, tournament. As long as they pay off the story 
um, relatively soon. I'm okay with this overall, but I don't know. I, I just feel like the execution the last two weeks of this angle, you know, could have been better. I am really curious, like, how they're going to handle Omega's return. I hope that they make it, like, a big deal and they don't just, like, you know, cut to the locker room and, you know, Omega's also hanging out with the Bucks or something like that. What I picture is, you know, they, the Young Bucks are going to have come out. They're not going to know who their partner is. They're going to be like, I guess we have to have Brandon or some shit like that. Brandon tries to make a big return, and yeah. then there comes Kenny. That's you know? that's what I'm hoping, but <laughs> you never know with the Bucks, it feels uh-huh. like. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, it, it feels like it's going to be a big reveal. It feels like, you know, one of those like CM Punk unites, you know, center situations where everyone knows, you know, it's his return without, uh-huh. you know, AEW saying it's his return outright. Um you know, I feel like they're kind of counting on people kind of like reading the tea leaves here, you know, for next week and, you know, you know, kind of anticipating his return. Get that ratings boost. <laughs> exactly. Up next, we had Luchasaurus defeating Anthony Henry in a squash match while Jungle Boy was on commentary. Yeah, this whole segment here, you know, the match and then what we got afterwards, you know, with uh, Jungle Boy running backstage to confront uh, Christian, it made it feel more obvious that this Lucha, you know, double turn is just a swerve and that he's still aligned with Christian because we haven't seen you know, Luchasaurus touched Christian Cage at this point, you know, and he's still coming out with, the, you know, the dark music and, you know, the scarier mask. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if this is a pay-per-view match, which I, I'm guessing it's going to be, you know, Jungle Boy versus Christian, that we'll see, I guess, that triple turn take place, you know, <laughs> at the show with, you know, Luchasaurus beating the shit out of Jungle Boy. If I, I hope that's the fact, because I would not be down for this storyline where, you know, Jungle Boy believes he's he really went, you know, two steps over, you know, Chris uh, Christian Cage there. Like, oh, I, I had this plan all along. Uh, I was going to yeah. make Luchasaurus turn on him. It's like, I, I don't believe that's what happened Or maybe like Jungle Boy <laughs> you know? realizes what's going on and, you know, has something up his sleeve to kind of counter it. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it kind of makes Jungle Boy feel like the stupid baby face. Um, you know, which uh-huh. is usually a WWE trope, so I don't want to see it on AEW. Uh, up next, which we talked about already, uh, we had Miro uh, talking about temptations from Julia Hart. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, after that, we had a backstage moment with Powerhouse Hobbs as he was asked about being done with Ricky Starks. Yeah, and QT Marshall and the factory interrupted, uh, telling him that, you know, they're going to finish Starks for him. Um, you know, it feels like they're trying to, you know, uh, court him into joining, you know, their faction, uh, which apparently now they're, you know, you know, members of the mafia. It seems like, <laughs> I don't know what was sure. going on there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it feels out of nowhere and strange. I don't know if it's just because that, you know, NXT dude, what's his name? Joey two dimes or something like that, but he apparently joined the group. So apparently they're all in the mob now uh whatever you know it gives them something to do i guess or some kind of story but it does feel very strange <laughs> and out of nowhere after that jay lethal sanjay dutt and satnam singh came out and pretty much you know was trying to re-challenge wardlow for the tnt title which of course led to wardlow coming on out and you know trying to attack them but 
with FTR on his side. Yeah, yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I was assuming it was to issue a challenge to, you know, whoever they're going to be going up against and mm-hmm. all out. You know, I was kind of hoping that it was going to be against, you know, Swerve to Your Glory or whatever. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, so I don't know where any of this is headed. I mean, they chased off, you know, uh, Dutt and company. I don't know if you caught this, but like once FTR and Wardlow hit the ring and once Lethal and Dutt, you know, jumped out, Dutt looked like he was looking for something underneath the ring, but couldn't find I mean, it. And then, <laughs> and of course, like AEW, like the camera stays on him the entire time uh-huh. to actually see Dutt, like say, like, you know, where is it? Um, and then... And and Jr. is also being like wh- he's obviously missing something yeah. there. Under like the Jr., ring. you're supposed to be hiding the fact that something's uh. going wrong, <laughs> not enhancing it. Uh, but yeah, and then like Lethal just chose to like jump in the ring. I'm sure because I mean he's a seasoned vet, so he's like something needs uh. to happen here. <laughs> so he jumps in and takes their finisher, and that's it. You know, <laughs> I mean, good on him for calling an audible because it was yes. a little awkward for you know a handful of seconds there. I mean, it would have been funny just to see them all slump their heads and leave (laughs) instead. (laughs) So do you think we're going to get some kind of like trios match? No, I think because I mean, FTR has done this a couple times now where they've just run out kind of similar to how Hangman's been helping just about everyone. It just feels (laughs) hoping that that's just what it is, though, for this not to be the start of a program like so close to all outs, you know, because what we have two weeks now left. Yeah, but so. I mean, Tony made a point a couple weeks ago where he was like, hey, you know, we planned last year's up into like the week of, you know, of the actual paper. Yeah, but that's not good practice. (laughs) No, that's not not an excuse to do it, you know, every year like that. (laughs) So, I mean, it just feels like we're a little too close to, you know, Uh the actual event for us to be booking last minute. I feel like FTR should be featured a little more. You know, as not only like your number one contenders, but like they're holding multiple like, you know, uh, promotions belts at this point. (laughs) So, I mean, even if it's someone challenging them for the ROH titles or for the New Japan titles, I mean, maybe we have Osprey and crew, you know, lose their tournament match and then turn around and challenge FTR for the New Japan titles at the pay-per-view. Because if you can get Osprey on your pay-per-view, you should get Osprey mm, on your yeah. pay-per-view. So, I mean, another interesting, you know, wrinkle to the story is Osprey and Kenny have been having this like Twitter feud going on recently, um, which is a work, obviously, and it feels like they're trying to build to something. So, you know, maybe that somehow comes into play, you know, if not here, you know. You know, somewhere down the line. I mean, I doubt it's something that we'll see at um, All Out, at least. Well, also, if you think about it, I mean, they're on the same side of the bracket as the Elite. So it might just be them building up heat for, you know, their showdown. You know, because if, you know, Osprey and Aussie Open beats Death Triangle, and I'm assuming that, you know, the Elite are going to beat... Who are they going up against, Christian? The Elite are going up against um, La Faction. Yeah, I'm assuming the Elite's going to pick up the win there. So mm. then you're definitely going to have a face off between the elite and the empire. So, I mean, maybe, like I said, maybe they're just kind of laying seeds for that. No, I am excited to see La Faction go up against the elite. I think that's going to be a fantastic match to start off this thing anyway. No, I agree. And the more Andrade we get, the better. Like, he's the kind mm. of wrestler who should be 
on one of your shows every week, regardless. All right, up next, we had a, another backstage moment for 2.0, Daniel Garcia and Anna Jay, uh, kind of hyping up what they've been going through. Anna Jay, again, tacked another person in the back. Yeah, and we had Garcia calling out Brian Danielson, and it looks like they're going to mm-hmm. have a two out of three falls match on Dynamite next week. Uh, and they're doing a whole Dragon Slayer versus Dragon theme since uh, the show is all about promoting House of Dragons. Uh, which is a Warner Bros. Discovery property, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this match. Uh, I'm glad, you know, Danielson's okay, because I was a little worried that, you know, he's been gone for the last two weeks and, you know, we haven't heard anything about him. Um, he is supposed to make an announcement on Rampage, but of course, you know, we haven't seen that just yes, yet. Yes, because we're recording on Thursday. So, yeah, I think it's just like we're going to hear from him. So it's not like an announcement announcement like, oh, I'm injured again. Um, I think it's uh, just going to be him probably, you know, building up, you know, the match against uh, Garcia. But uh, speaking of talents who don't have a match at the pay-per-view yet, uh, Brian Danielson's one of those. Um, I was kind of assuming it was going to be him against uh, Garcia, you know, for, for All Out. But, uh, you know, do you think we get, you know, Danielson versus Jericho, maybe? I mean, Jericho is the one who put him out of action. That is true. That would be a good option for him. I wasn't thinking about how Jericho um, doesn't have anything as well at this point. Yeah, so I could see them going, you know, that route. Also, I'm still digging Anna, you know, choking people out randomly. (laughs) So (laughs) I might be alone, but I'm digging it. Up next, we had Ricky Starks defeating Aaron Solo along with uh, the factory on the outside. Yeah, you could definitely tell that these guys have been partners in the past and worked a lot together. So they had great chemistry in the ring. It was one hell of a finish. Um, I love Starks using that spear now. Um, You know, when he does it, it's so fucking fluid. And just, you know, even though he's a smaller guy, it's super impactful too. Like he's like straight up just, you know, tackling motherfuckers so Mm -hmm. uh, i hope he keeps that as part of his you know repertoire so um i dug this i didn't like him running away from everyone at the end of the match though uh you know once uh, you know the factory came out and everything like that i think i would have just preferred seeing him like standing tall in the ring after like fending off the factory Especially since he's going up against Hobbs in the near future. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, he didn't need to, like, strongman them. He could have just found, like, outsmarted them in the ring. Like, like just get a weapon and chase them off. We've seen it before plenty of times in wrestling. Though we did get a camera cut to the back, um, and Hobbs destroyed that poor television. He's he's uh, just a fucking monster, man. Uh (laughs) I'm loving everything that we're getting with this, like heel heel turn because it's not even a heel turn really right he was already uh. heel <laughs> but uh they gave him a new entrance i don't know if you caught that last week right um, oh yeah just, mm-hmm. I, I, i'm loving everything that they're doing with him um i'm hoping that they continue to push him after you know this program he doesn't get like lost in the shuffle i don't know when it could possibly happen but Hobbs versus Brody King would be a oh fun my match. god that would yes that'd be like Godzilla versus Kong that'd be fantastic uh-huh. <laughs> just have them destroying the arena like they can't get it under control and it's just it's going on throughout the night like it's not even the, the match has like been thrown out but they're still battling uh-huh. that'd be amazing I think also it'd be a good idea to give him like a mouthpiece and have him like you know join uh, uh, Stokely's uh, crew that he's putting together 
mm-hmm. like have him be the leader of that group. Yeah, the, the Roman Reigns of of you know to Paul Heyman type of situation. No, absolutely, there. absolutely. Because what we got Ethan Page now joining with him, Lee Moriarty. So Hobbs feels like the perfect fit for the faction. After this, we had the Gun Club backstage with you know Billy going after his kids, uh, you know, pissed off about him. Stokely, you know, speaking of which, showed up, offering them a contract. Thankfully. Uh, Billy Gunn chased him away because I definitely don't want to see the gun club part of that group. <laughs> so mm-hmm. not that I have an issue with them. And I feel like charisma wise, I mean, they're off the chain. Um, but I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm thinking bigger when it comes to that. You no know, faction at this point. Uh, they then announced that they're going to go up against Bearhausen uh, on Rampage. Beard, no, Beardhausen. Beardhausen. Yes, because yes, yes. uh, Eric Redbeard is uh is uh-huh. uh coming back so he's not signed to the company but i guess he just does these random one shots yeah i mean i like the teaming of Danhausen and you know eric um i'm guessing the acclaimed is going to get involved in the match though uh somehow or they choose to give gun club a big win uh just kind of getting them ready you know to continue their program against the acclaimed since they lost that dumpster match you know, maybe like show more serious side of the gun club if that's possible Ass boys for life. Then we got a backstage moment with the best friends uh, who were immediately interrupted by the uh, Trustbusters, which is Ari Davari um, and his crew. He just looked like a band of misfits. I was like, what is this group? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it looked like something I would expect from NXT 2.0. Yes. That's what I was <laughs> really shocked by. Um, yeah, I mean, Tony's supposed to be big into this, like, you know, new faction, I guess. The uh, trust trustbusters is it? Trustbusters? Yes. Is mm. it called that because Davari just got uh, his hands on his trust fund or something like that? His family's trust. I don't know, man. I guess. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm guessing the best friends this you know roll through these guys though. Up next, Jade Cargill put her title on the line against the returning Madison Rain. Yeah, I guess Madison Rain is now part of AEW. Uh, she's going to be. Behind the scenes, working as the head coach of the women's division. Um, you know, Madison is a seasoned vet. Um, she's not that old, though. She's in her mid-30s, I believe. But, I mean, she's oh, okay. been a multiple-time knockout champion. Um, you know, I believe she was part of the beautiful people in, uh, you know, back in the TNA days. Um, so I really haven't been keeping track of her career cause I don't watch impact, but I mean, she was a feature, you know, big time, you know, on that show for years. Um, but yeah, she's, she's not a bad get at all for them. Um, they did, uh, you know, set up this match on darker elevation. One of those two shows, um, you know, with her defeating one of the baddies with then Jade, you know, challenging her, um, overall, like i don't know jade is still so green um Mm -hmm. like it felt like the match was going okay and then the commercial break happened and after the commercial break it felt like they just got lost and they never got things back on track until the very end they did have a great like ending sequence i thought um but yeah no they they just didn't really click in the ring but i mean it is the first time that they've you know faced each other and i don't think it should really you know be a commentary on her skills as a coach you know madison rain um i just feel like jade needs to be getting more ring time overall 
you know, like for a while, she was wrestling on a pretty regular basis, you know, either mm-hmm. on, you know, Dynamite or Rampage or Dark, you know. I feel like we need to see her getting more reps in the ring because, you know, but she's 37 and oh at this point, right? Yeah. That means mm. she's only had 37 matches. <laughs> so the fact that she's as good as she is is pretty fucking impressive. Um, but I don't know. Like, it feels like, you know, ever since she hit like 30, you know, her appearances and matches are becoming less and less frequent, which I feel like, you know, for such a young talent, like she needs to be in there as much as possible. You know, even if it's just her squashing, you know, enhancement talent, you know, mm-hmm. it's still experience, you know. And I mean, there's plenty of other women on the roster that she can have, you know, matches with where she'll gain experience, you know, from. They don't all have to be just, you know, squashes. She can have, like, you know, a handful of, like, five-minute matches on Diamond that will help her a lot. Um, but she's someone that definitely needs to be in the ring more than less. I mean, it, there was really some points where it felt like they were just going through the motions. Yes. And it was really starting to yes. drag. Like like I said, it felt like they got lost mm-hmm. somewhere. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, Madison Rain's not the greatest women's wrestler in the world or anything like that. She definitely should shoulder some of the blame. But, like, I've seen her have, you know, very good matches in the past. So, I, I don't know. Something just didn't click. And I feel like lately, like the last handful of matches Jade's had, I feel like she's regressing a little. And I, I think it's due to the lack of ring time. Um, Apparently... During this, uh, Athena was hiding in the baddies section the entire time and came out in disguise to attack. Yeah, her. She was in disguise as um, one of the baddies. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because they like briefly mention it once she's behind her. <laughs> but I was like, you did. I felt like they didn't show her with the baddies that no, much. No, not right? at all. <laughs> like there's one or two shots, but that's it. So they didn't really like set that up where it was like a big enough swerve at the end to really make it matter at all. Like she could have just showed up without the wig and sunglasses and attack yeah. her from behind <laughs> and it would have been the same segment. So I'm excited to see Athena versus, you know, Jade. Uh, I'm hoping that they end up working a long program because I feel like, you know, Athena's someone Jade We'll actually learn a lot from. After this, we had a backstage moment between Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Luckily, there was no Britt Baker to join them. But uh, there's a bit of tension between them now because Tony Storm is now the number one contender with Chris Statlander having been injured. Yeah, she's out with a knee injury, unfortunately. So I, I don't know yes. what the timetable is for her return, but I'm guessing she's going to be out for a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks like we're going to be getting that, you know, Tony Storm, you know, Thunder Rosa rematch sooner than we thought, which I'm all for. I, I'm kind of hoping they pull the trigger on, you know, Tony Storm winning the title here. So I feel like, you know, now is the time. And I know this is kind of a forced situation. I, I'm, I'm guessing that it was going to be, uh, Chris Statlander against Thunder Rosa at the pay-per-view then? Uh, most so, likely. Cause I mean, right. I mean, the way they made it sound at least. Um, mm. But I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm glad that they're not having like a heel turn take place. And that's why we're getting this match. Because that did feel like that's where they're eventually going to head. Um, you know, I'd much rather see Tony Storm win the title as a baby face. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see Thunder Rosa maybe turning heel at the show. I, I would be down for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Before we jumped into our main event, we, of course, had the breakdown of what's going on next week. Right now, we have Tony Storm versus Killian King. Who? Um, we have the K- Killian King. Uh, 
So it's going to be a squash match. Well, yeah. With all the women <laughs> that you have on the roster, like you couldn't put together, you know, like a better match than that for Dynamite. Like, why Why even not. promote that match? <laughs> like, where the hell is Ruby Riot at? I, I know, know it's... Uh, apparently on Dark. I've seen Dark promotions for her, You but... just have this, like, stacked roster right now. It's, once again, it's like Tony not wanting people to lose, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and being overprotective of his, like, bigger names on the roster. But at the same time, you're not helping them by having them off camera, too. And what better way to establish Tony Storm as a worthy contender by having her beat someone who's at least a name in the division? But anyway, sorry. <laughs> no worries. I, I agree with you. I understand. But they just want to put, I guess, a couple of squats matches under her before she goes up against um, Thunder Rosa. I guess, I guess. But I mean, you could do that on fucking, you know, on Dark or Elevation. Like have her fucking, mm-hmm. you know, beat someone of note. You know, you don't have to have a squash match. Just have her have a five minute match with someone who actually has an established name. You know, I mean, losses, people recover from losses. You know, it's it's okay to lose a match. It's not going to hurt anyone. And it's better for them to be on TV. I guarantee you those women would rather be losing a match on TV than be sitting in catering. Oh, oh, we'll also have um, Le Faction versus uh, most likely the Elite. And then we will also have Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia, as we mentioned earlier, in a two out of three falls That's match. That's going to be a hell of a match. I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, it will. For the main event, we had Jericho going up against John Moxley. Jericho coming out in his full Lionheart gear and everything, the music and all. Uh, John Moxley, of course, did get the win in the end. Uh, and of course, what are they calling? Oh. And of course, JAS tried to come out and assault all of them. I thought this was one of AEW's best TV matches of the year. Um, I thought Jericho looked like a million bucks. Um, I love the chemistry between Moxley and Jericho. I love Jericho mm-hmm. really pulling out like his heart dungeon arsenal and using some like familiar you know moves that we've seen you know heart family members use in the past like you know like the figure four around the ring post and shit. I thought mm-hmm. that was brilliant. I, I feel like you know this whole angle with you know you know the lion heart side of Jericho and bringing that character back really added a lot to this matchup, which is surprising. I think this is. The only rematch they've had since uh, Jericho and uh, Moxley, you know, have their title match at um, what was it, Revolution? You know, when Jericho dropped the belts. Yeah. So and there was like, yeah, I I don't think they've had a single match. Yeah, since it was then. like two I years. One of their solo. That was two years yeah. ago, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I loved every moment of this match. I mean, fucking, you know, the earring spot. I think Moxley fucking gigged his ear, which is ridiculous. <laughs> He was bleeding like a stuck pig. And then like later on, Jericho hitting the unprotected corner and actually getting a mm. heart rate. Did you see his forehead after the match? No, I didn't see it. There's like pictures oh, or something. Oh my God. Yeah. He's a huge gash in the middle of his forehead. So oh, yeah, Jesus. no, it was a legit fucking you know, heart because he started bleeding like a stuck pig. Like he. When's the last time we saw a Moxley match that didn't have blood? Not that I'm complaining. No. I was oh. just. It's just a staple mile of his matches. Uh-huh. I mean, in my mind, Moxley is the wrestler of the year so far. You know, like mm. he hasn't had a bad match. Most of his matches are like, you know, the best match of the week. 
So, I mean, you've, he's got to be in the conversation at least. So yes. he just brings so much to AEW, you know, every time he's featured on the show. So, I mean, from promos, you know, to just, you know, his in-ring style and everything like that. He does not give a fuck out of that. Like, the crowd start to cheer Jericho and like Moxley was so dismissive and he started to really like lean into like, you know, the heel aspect of his character where he's like flicking <laughs> off the crowd and everything. He just doesn't give a shit. And then we have, you know, the ending of the match with, you know, Moxley choking out Jericho, which I thought was fantastic. Cause like at first it felt like they weren't getting the reaction that they wanted from the crowd, you know, once, you know, Moxley put on, you know, his chokehold. So Jericho like started to really work it, you know, with his hands to show that, you know, he's about to go out and like the crowd like instantly got the cue and got into it and everything, you know, realizing like, oh, this is the finish. But then we saw the JAS, you know, jump Moxley right after the match. You know, Jericho was holding up the belt and everything. It was like, oh, my God, are they going to do a fucking rematch here? But then thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> Punk's music hit to an enormous pop. Um, you know, he fucking ran through the JAS like he was fucking Hulk Hogan going up against some like uh-huh. 80s mid-carters. <laughs> <laughs> they were fucking bumping like crazy for him on the ramp and shit. Uh, got in the ring, made the save for Moxley, and then Moxley just being such a fucking cool, dismissive bastard, like at the end, like totally getting in, you know, Punk's face, you know, and just giving him no respect whatsoever. And, you know, and then giving him the heavy shoulder uh, to get by him and walking out of the ring, high-fiving Claudio afterwards, giving the big fuck you yeah. to Punk. <laughs> I thought it was just an amazing moment. And like, it did so much to build, you know, towards their inevitable match at, you know, all outs. And I don't know if you caught this, but did you notice someone threw the ring bell into the into the ring? Yeah, I I didn't know what was I going think, on there. I think it was Kingston. I think oh, Kingston okay. was throwing a fucking fit on the outside of the ring because Punk was in there because there's no like love loss, you know, between those two. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's, you know, laying seeds, you know, for their, you know, rematch down the line. Honestly, I was surprised because I thought it was going to be Brian being the last person to run out and make the save. I thought that was what was going to happen. But then Punk's music, it made sense. Yeah, but, it does. Especially when we're only, what, a handful of weeks out uh-huh. from the pay-per-view. I kind of assumed that they were going to have to set up, you know, the main event for that card. You know, if not, you know, on this Dynamite, you know, next Dynamite. Um, I just wasn't sure what direction they were going to go in with, you know, Moxley and Jericho. I was a little yeah. a little scared that Jericho was going to walk away with the title. I mean, they really could have changed up all their plans that night and we would have had no idea, you know. And not that I'd have an issue with Jericho as, you know, champion. It's just I really want to see Moxley versus Punk. Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, the, the role Moxley's on right now. Yeah, but I mean, slowly but surely, All Out is shaping up to be one hell of a card. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to see what they have in store for us next week. Because, I mean, there there has to be more announcements now. Oh, yeah. Since we're uh, two weeks out. Most likely we'll see. At least we'll know what's going on with the um, tr- Trios Tag Tournament more next week when we finally have Kenny return and see what happens. Because I'm, I'm guaranteeing it's Kenny. It, it, I would be very oh, surprised yeah. if anyone else comes out. Yeah, I'd be very disappointed, honestly, uh-huh. if anyone else comes out. So. <laughs> Anyway, that, that's going to do it for now. 
Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, next week we're going to be breaking down the first episode of Marvel She-Hulk. Plus, we're officially on the road to AEW's All Out. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Just dug in like an Alabama tick. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Oh. Okay.